He's good, amen. I can remember there'd be times where I'd spend time fellowshipping with him here in the in the church and it would take everybody's experiencing the same peace I am, right? <laughs> amen. Sometimes it'd take me a while to slow down the gears of my mind and and uh all of the gravity that goes on in your mind. You know what I'm talking about? You're just constantly entertaining yourself, reading something, doing something, problem solving. Your mind just has a gravity about it. And I'd sit here and I'd try and fight it. You know, it's kind of like trying to stop a, a boulder from rolling, rolling down a mountain. <laughs> you know, stop. Or, or, we're worshiping, we're, we're, we're praying, we're trying to hear what God's had to say, not what I'm having to say. Amen. Anybody ever fought that? <laughs> Your mind's going a million miles an hour and be quiet, be quiet. <laughs> I'm trying to hear God. And uh, one of, it was probably my least favorite exercise to sit here and try and fight my mind. And now it's one of my favorites because it used to take... Well, it just used to take a long time to win that battle, to get it quiet. And now, I'm just, like, it just feels like you can turn in a minute and say, Father, I just welcome your presence. And the peace just hits my soul. And I don't know how else to explain it. I didn't used to have that reality. And when I first came here, it wasn't here. Not in me. <laughs> The, the best way I can explain it, it's like, you know, you ever go climbing or, or mountain hiking or you're, you're out on the water in a boat and you're by yourself and it's just like that. But it's better than that. It's better than that. I don't know how else to describe it except it's not, it doesn't matter where you are, it's on the inside. And I'll come out of times with him and I'll be walking through Walmart and it's just like I'm in the middle of a, of a mountain range standing on top because his peace is on the inside. Amen. Well, don't avoid the weak links in your relationship with God. Fight them. Just hone in on them. You know? <clears throat> when they, you know, they create those workout reg regimens for, uh, for us, they did in school and they had us lift weights, and uh, one of the big things I always see is don't skip leg day, right? Because <laughs> guys, we like to work on what, what you can see, but nobody really cares about what you can't see down here, you know, for the guys anyway. And uh, I remember one of my gym teachers telling me, and I don't know if he's still, he might still be there. He said he, he knew a guy that trained his, his uh, biceps and his pectoral muscles so extensively he did so many push-ups. He could bench press. I mean, he was just built. But he never worked on the, the triceps or the back. So it was all one-sided. It was out of balance. And he was so strong this way. And I don't remember the situation, but it, he, he worked the front so strong that when it was required that he use the other muscles... He was actually so strong it overcompensated and, and, and in this situation, it was, he told us about it when I was in middle school. So you, I was, what's that got to be? I don't know, 
I don't know, a long time ago. I don't remember what it was, but basically he broke his arm. He, you know, buff guy, could do a thousand push-ups, could bench press, you know, but he didn't work out in balance and he broke his arm because he couldn't, he overcompensated. And um, <clears throat> the Lord, sometimes we like to run to the things that are comfortable even with our relationship with God. Maybe some of you, it's worship. You just love worship. You could worship all day, all right? But you have a hard time reading the word. Maybe you love the word, but you don't like to fast, you know? Now, I, I don't know very many people that love to fast, but if you, maybe you're one that loves to fast. <laughs> here's, here's a, see, the Holy Ghost has a way of dividing every motive and every thought and showing and revealing to you why you do what you do. And see, I'd sit there and I'd put in my time with God and I'd pray in the Spirit. And I would be benefited. You can't, I don't believe you can pray in the Spirit and not be benefited because you're praying out God's plan for your life. You're praying out the mysteries and the revelations that you don't know yet. So every time you spend time, even if you're mowing the yard, you're going, you know, you can pray in your breath, under your, in your breath, under your breath when you're going to Walmart. You can, you can pray on a road trip. I love going on road trips, just praying in the spirit, maybe listen to a message. That's, that's fine. But, but the Holy Ghost would get on me. He says, you pray in the spirit, but you don't actually listen for my voice. And, you, and you, you spend time praying in the spirit, but you always got to be having something to entertain your mind. What if I want to teach your mind something? And that's where he'd get on me, and I hated fighting that battle. I can honestly tell you, I've been fighting that battle for as long as I've been here. Some of the first teachings I did was, uh, one of them was called Wrestling the Restless Mind. I don't know if, uh, if any of you remember that was Wrestling the Restless Mind. Well, that was uh, four years ago now I did that. And as it's taken, it's taken exercise to win that battle, but I'm so glad that I win it, amen. Don't let your flesh tell you what you can and can't do. I mean, we, don't, we don't like to think that it doesn't, but it does. It tells us what we don't like, and so we don't do it. But sometimes you need the things that you don't like. Sometimes you need the growth that you don't want. That's why when you're in school, you imagine a high school football team without a coach. Well, I'm just gonna work on myself. <laughs> you ain't going to win any games, partner. <laughs> You're not going to win unless you submit to the coach. Well, that's what he is. He's a coach. He's a tutor. He's a teacher. He's a trainer that knows precisely where your weaknesses are. And see, a coach can do that. He can do that where a pastor can. Now, a pastor can be his voice in some things. But if you really grasp the reality, everybody say reality. If you really grasp the reality of what the Holy Spirit can be for you in your life, how much he can sort out, how much he can counsel, you'll never, I don't mean to say that you don't be connected to the body. I don't want to paint that picture at all. You know, he's going to put you in your place and all of us are being knit together in love. That's what the scriptures say, amen. But he will put you in a place of growth that only he can give you. Let me say it a different way. I can't grow you up. An organization can't grow you up the way that the Holy Ghost can grow you up. The, the, the fivefold, the, the teacher, the pastor, the prophet, the apostle, the evangelist, those are for the training up of the body, but they're meant to be 
They're like a surrogate parent until you're mature to the place where you're receiving from the Holy Ghost on a continual basis yourself. Because who's going to apostle the apostle? And who's going to pastor the pastor? See, they are meant to be the voice in the natural for the spiritual things the Holy Ghost wants you to know. But there is a maturing process that as you continue to follow God, you start to, and I don't mean it in a negative way, I, you, you start to receive revelation from the Word of God from the Holy Spirit who has been sent to be your teacher. And I, and I still listen to my teachers. I still have voices in my life that I, I check on and I count as, as more mature than I am. And I'm, you know, definitely, without question. But there is a, a certain amount of independence and reliance that he wants to establish in each and every one of his children's lives. That you can know, that you know, that you know, that you can jump up on his lap and ask him a question and know that you can receive the answer for it. That you can know how to have fellowship with God. That you can turn to him in a situation and you can have the peace there to receive the answer. And that's something that he's wanting to establish in everybody's life. Amen. Everybody say growth. Everybody say maturity. See, and I believe many of us are there. Okay. But I know that the flesh is deceptive. <laughs> the flesh is tricky. And it has a way of wiggling out of the things you don't like to do. Am I right? <laughs> hmm. All right. <sighs> Let's go to... We can be turning to... Let's start in Romans chapter 4 today. And uh, before we read that, I think I shared this last week, and I'm going to start with it this week. You know, we're all learning, and I'm, I'm included in that. And even Paul, you know, he says, I, I don't claim to have arrived yet, but I press toward. Everybody say press. I picked up this repeating bug from Nathan. It says fall. <laughs> press toward the mark. See, I don't claim to have arrived yet, but this one thing I do forgetting those things that are behind. See. And there is a press that we're called to make toward the kingdom of God. Um, when I was, uh, when, before Nat and I were married, we lived in the same apartment complex. Okay, not the same apartment. <laughs> same complex, you know. I lived a, a couple blocks away. And, uh, I don't know what it was that set it on. I've never had a headache like it or since. Um, but I had a headache. It's probably been about nine, ten years ago now. And it rivaled some of the worst pain I'd ever had. And I, I don't know why. But it was just completely debilitating. And uh, I, I felt like I staggered over to Natalie's house to uh, just get some aspirin or some Tylenol. I didn't know if I was going to have to call the emergency room or whatever. And uh, within about a half hour of being there and having some Tylenol, it abated, okay? But before I made it to Natalie's house, I was praying. Everybody say praying. <laughs> Anybody ever been praying for something to change? 
And I was praying and I said, I, re I said all the right things, right? I rebuke this in Jesus' name. And I command this pain to go. <laughs> I knew what to say. Um, with a heart man believes, with a mouth confession is made, right? So I, I know the part. I know what to say. And I, I was commanding this to go. I commanded it to leave. In Jesus' name. I used the name of Jesus too. See? Jesus' name. <laughs> it didn't go. Anybody ever been there? Didn't go. And uh, I was frustrated because I was in pain. <laughs> and I didn't have the peace I have now on the inside. I'll tell you that. <laughs> but I turned, and I, I can't remember if I said it audibly or if I... Or if I just, it was a question in my mind. Now, incidentally, I'm just going to hit on this. I'm, I'm a believer in this, and I believe it's scriptural. So I'm just, I'm going to found it on scripture. I don't believe in prayer that's not spoken. I don't believe in prayer that's not spoken. I believe in fellowship. I have conversations with him internally all the time. Okay, I can sit here and not say a word, but he's talking and I can... I can hear and I can respond. All right, that's fellowship. That's fine. Nothing. But if you're going to pray, you better say. If you're going to issue a command, you need to use the spoken word. In the beginning, God said, did he not? Now, if God had to say, then you better say. All right? That's just where I'm at with that. I don't believe in this silent prayer stuff. He knows my heart. Well, he needs your words. <laughs> Give him your words. <laughs> Even praying in the spirit. All right. I can hear clearly the language of the spirit in my mind when I, when I purpose to pray. The Holy Ghost starts to create that language. But you need to speak it out. All right. So I was saying those things. And, and I, whether I spoke it out loud or whether it was internal, I voiced this question. I said, I've been praying every morning. I've been fasting a little bit. <laughs> I know your word. I know what it says. I used your name. I said, I can't even believe for a headache. Like a headache is harder or easier for God, you know. <laughs> That's what I, like a headache's easier. You know, this is just a headache. Come on. Can't you do this? That's the silent accusation. And I heard back so clearly. Like I, and there's times where you just know it because it's, it's just instant rebuttal. And what he told me, he says, I want to get it right. The reality of your pain is greater than the reality that I healed you. That's what he said to me. Let me put it a different way. You believe in that pain more than what you believe in the work of the cross. You do. And I can see working in my heart that so plainly that there are times where he's asked me to do things and it tests trust. Everybody say trust. See, when he gives you a word or he, you know, you can claim a belief. You can claim a belief. You can say something. But what's in your heart, God knows. Maybe even better than you do. Probably better than you do. See, one of the things Peter said, this will illustrate it really good. Peter said, though every single one of you would deny Christ, I will not. Everybody remember that? <laughs> now let me ask you a question. Do you think he meant that? 
Do you think, you think in his heart of hearts, do you think he meant what he said? I think so. He was willing to cut somebody's ear off. <laughs> I mean, that's, took a step, you know. I'm not leaving, I'll cut your ear off before you take my, my Lord and Savior. He had some action, all right, but when he realized that it wasn't going to go the way he thought it was, Jesus says, you, you're going to deny me three times, right? And, and it wasn't just denial, it was with an oath, and it was with cursing. <laughs> it was with swearing. And after that, Jesus wouldn't have anything to do with them, you know. <laughs> no, I'm being sarcastic, okay? But my point is, he meant it in his heart. He meant it. He took an oath. He swore up and down. He says, I don't even know the guy. Why? To save his own skin. In one, of the, in one of the Gospels, it says, at the time he said that third time, the cock crew, and Jesus looked right at him. You, you, does, you want to talk about getting humbled? <laughs> you want to talk about exposing what's on the inside of your heart? And see, what we want to do, what we want to have happen is have the Holy Spirit in the privacy of our homes come in and expose and judge our heart so we can go forward. And Jesus said it this way. He says, if you pray in secret, your father will reward you openly. See, it's a time when you spend with him, he'll open up the inner workings of your heart and show you these are the motives at work. This is why you did what you did. And you have two options once you see it. You can attack it. You can attack it and get rid of what isn't God's will in your life. Or you can justify it. You can run. You can say that's interesting. Move on. Forget about it. <laughs> Go around the mountain again. See, But the Holy Ghost is there to reveal the motives of the heart. And I guarantee you after that happened with Peter, there was some realization about what belief was, about what saying things were. And this is why I think after Jesus rose from the grave, called him back, he drew Peter back in and you know, said Peter went back to fishing for a season, right? And Jesus had to get him back and said, do you love my sheep? Feed my lambs, okay? Do you love me? Do you love me? That's what he said, do you love me? Feed my sheep. And it wasn't, uh, I'm guessing, this is my guess, probably less than a year, maybe six months after that, he was standing in front of that guy at the gate, beautiful. Everything he'd experienced, everything he knew about who Jesus was, everything he got to see him do. And there was a reality. Everybody say reality. There was a reality in Peter when he stood in front of that man that had been born crippled since the day of his birth. And he stood there and he knew full well that who Jesus was the reality of the cross, the reality of the word of God was more powerful than what he could see in that present man's condition. And he said, silver and gold, I don't have, but I do have this, I know it, in Jesus' name, rise up and walk. See? And uh, last week we were talking about, uh, you remember when he stepped out of the boat? When Peter stepped out of the boat. Uh, let's go to that passage. Keep it in, in Romans, we'll, we'll come back. I know we will this time, okay? Um, I believe it's in Matthew.
see if I'm right. Matthew 14. We'll start in verse 25. <clears throat> and in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a spirit. And they cried out for fear. But straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. <laughs> and <laughs> I, I'm sorry. I just, this is the first time he's ever, ever done this. You know, you ever, you ever think the disciples are like, man, what trick is he going to pull out next? <laughs> just sitting there like, oh, it's Jesus. <laughs> I didn't know he could do that. <laughs> Wonder what the next thing is he's going to do, you know? Do you know there's all things, everybody say all things are possible with God. I mean, I don't think Jesus used up all the tricks. I really don't. He's just doing what God told him to do. There's going to be stuff God tells you to do that might have no precedent whatsoever. You go ahead and trust what you hear. Amen? I can't see that Jesus ever took pieces of his clothes and sent it off and got people healed, but Paul did. Now, somebody touched his clothes, but I can't ever see that Jesus walked by with his shadow. Peter did. All right, so it's, it's, it's not about, the precedent is it's God. That's the precedent. <laughs> and if God is leading you to do something, whatever it may be, trust that he can do it through you. Well, I don't see precedent for that. Well, it's God, so he might pull a new one on you. All right? He says, be not afraid, be of good cheer, as I. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me to come unto thee on the water. And he said, come. Everybody say, Jesus said. Jesus. Jesus said, he said, come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. Now, the little exercise, we're going to go through this again, the exercise we went through last week. Was it the word of God? Yes, it is. Does the word of God have power? Yes, it does. Was the Holy Ghost waiting on the word to perform what was said? Yes. yes, he was. So here you have God who's given a clear you know, instruction through Jesus, come, come, and he comes. So the word of God is powerful. The Holy Spirit was there to perform, ready to do the work. See, in, in, in religion and in Christianity, we like to say, well, if it's God's will. That's not, that's not faith. All that tells me is that you don't know what God's will is. That doesn't have faith. Why, well, let's just put it more plainly. What if people prayed prayers like this? <laughs> I don't know God well enough to say whether or not he wants to heal you. So I'm just going to say, if it be God's will, because I really don't know. If it be God's will... Be healed. Well, that puts it on God, not on your faith. 
Say, you don't know God very well. Let's just, let's just call it like it is, okay? You're not sure or you can't trust. Be honest with me. Well, I can't trust. For that. Okay, now we understand. Now we understand. <clears throat> he said, come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. So there, it's not Peter's power. It's the power of the Holy Ghost putting him up, all right? I like to think the Holy Ghost was underneath there, you know, kind of every step he took, you know, holding him up. And the word of God was there, come. So you got an instruction. Those things have power. But look at this. But when he saw, everybody said saw. He saw it with his eyes. He saw the wind boisterous. He was afraid and began to sink. So here you got God on your side, God the Holy Ghost, God the word. You got Jesus in front of you saying, come, and it can't get done. It can't get done. That's why, that's why it says without faith, it is impossible to please God. This is a powerful picture if you really believe it. It really is. God didn't pre-plan for him to fall through the water. He, that's not his will. That's not his will. Didn't he say in the Old Testament, I've given you the land? Did they get it that time? It was his will, right? Got the pillar of fire. Got the, everything was going for him. <laughs> now we can't do it. He says, you have an evil, your heart, uh, an evil heart of unbelief. See? It's not wrong to talk about facts. Facts are facts. It's wrong to let facts be louder than God. See, I, I don't want to go to a doctor and have a doctor tell me I don't have cancer if I do. Please tell me the facts. Okay, let me determine the truth. See, let me believe God about what can happen. Amen. There's nothing evil about facts. There's nothing evil about relaying facts. What was the evil heart of unbelief that Hebrews said that, that they had in the Old Testament was that they believed what they saw greater than what they had in God. And that's what Jesus did here. Even though he kind of made it a little bit, he walked on the water, nobody else did. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid and beginning to sing. He sink, not sing, sink. <laughs> he cried, saying, Lord, save me. I bet he did sing quite a bit. <laughs> and immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? Now, I don't know how this went down, but I had a pastor point out to me last week while we were in Dayton. He says, you know, they never preached the last part of that, that he had to walk back to the ship. I never thought about that. You know, he did sink. Jesus pulled him up and they walked back to the ship, didn't they? See, I don't think Jesus probably carried him like a baby. <laughs> Stand up and we're going in. The That's the way I see it. See, but you get to see midstream right here how that your faith in this world, not in heaven, that I know of, but in this world, this creation, that he has given us charge, that he has given us dominion, that he depends on your belief and your word and your action. If you want to see God's will proved, what does Paul say? Transform, be renewed in the spirit of your mind that you might prove what the word of God is. What do you gotta transform to? I gotta transform to the belief that all things are possible. 
so that I can step out and do the things that he's telling me to do when everything I see says it's not possible. That takes transformation, okay? I believe part of that transformation is peace, that when you step into a situation, you trust that what's on the inside is greater than what's on the outside. Because God is not in, he's not up there above the clouds looking down on you waiting to drop a miracle. The kingdom of God is right here on the inside. It's everywhere you go, you carry your relationship with God with you. Everywhere you go, or lack thereof. If you don't have, see, this is what Jesus did. He walked around doing good because God was with him everywhere he went. He was aware of the presence of the Holy Spirit. He was aware of his voice. He could tune in and hear instructions about what to do in an instant. And that same Holy Spirit has baptized your spirit, not a lesser one. That same life, everybody say same. That same life that Jesus had, he gave to you, not a lesser one. You are co-heirs with Christ. <clears throat> oh, thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? The picture here is this, that you can have God in your corner. You can have his will known. You can know his will. And when you step out, you can still believe the enemy in spite of it. And what it'll do, it is it'll short circuit the miracle or whatever it is you're believing for. It will short circuit it right there. It's a powerful picture. Now, there's been times in my walk where, as I was sitting there this morning just in worship, I had a couple of testimonies that I've had that just kind of come back to me. There have been times I, I'm still endeavoring to, to be healthy, okay? All right, but I'm better than I used to be. I don't want you to go watch movies from or videos from our <laughs> services Five, six years ago, I was a little heavier back then, all right? But one of the side effects of that was, was after service, after standing up for an hour, after worshiping, I'd, I'd walk out of here and we'd go shopping or whatever it is and this back pain over here would kick in, all right? Now, I knew with my mind, okay, I'm a little heavy. It's probably because I need to exercise. I knew that, all right? But I still didn't like the pain and I knew what Jesus said I could have. All right, so we'd be, I can remember once we went to Grinnell after church, we were walking around, you know, ladies like to shop, right? <laughs> we were going to, we were going to Goodwill, I'm sorry if that's sexist, but whatever, they do, so <laughs> we were going to Goodwill, we were going to, uh, I don't know what else, what other stores are over there, there's that strip, anyway, it was, uh, I was walking around and I just kept having pain and I, and I started you know, at some point, it's like, okay, when are you going to start speaking to this thing? Take authority over it. So I spent the better part of uh, two or three hours in Grinnell walking around shopping with the kids and with mom and, and Natalie. I command this thing to go in Jesus' name. I command it to go. 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 Every time the pain would hit, I'd say the word. Every time the pain would hit, I'd say, no. We're going to go in Jesus' name. You know, you're like, you finally had enough. You know, like, okay, that's enough of this. I don't know. That mindset is being developed in me more. It didn't used to be there. I used to be the victim in the thing, okay? Now the Holy Ghost is saying, no, you're not the victim. You need to speak. Speak. I have given you my word. And I would, 
And that one particular time, I just kept hitting at it. No, we're not going to have it. We're not going to have it. We're not going to have it. And do you know, before I left Grinnell, I didn't have it anymore. And I was walking the whole time. So here you are. You've been standing all day. It should get worse, right? Didn't. It got better. Because I would not believe the report. I kept giving the report that God had. I wasn't going to take that report. I can remember even when I was in... Um, I was in track in high school, and uh, I loved running track, and one of the things that I had to run was the 400-meter dash, and on the ride to wherever it was, I don't remember where we were going, on the ride to the track meet, I started to develop a lot of pressure in this ear, and, and it just started to get up very painful, you know, and you don't even want to move, let alone run around a track. You know, pop, 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 you know, bam, 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 bam. And, and I just was sitting there, and it occurred to me, you're healed in Jesus' name. So I started talking to it. And before I had to run, I think we had actually arrived at the, um, at the stadium at that time, I started, it started popping, and, and all that pain left. And all the pressure left. Because I'm healed in Jesus' name. Right? Now, that's fine. And there have been times where, you know, there's times where you have to talk faith into your soul. You know what I'm saying? You have to convince faith. You have to go to war with your emotions. You have to go to war with what you see. You have to go to war with your thoughts and the doubts and the all of the things that come in that try and steal the word. How does the enemy come to steal the word? See, it's the things that are on the outside that he comes to steal. It's, it's persecutions is one. It's pressures. It's circumstances, right? Lusts of other things come in and choke the word out. See, so he uses the external things to preach at you. But I have news for you. Do you know the invisible things created the visible things? God, who is invisible, created everything that is seen. It is spiritual things that birth the physical things, not the other way around. And see, we have, through the fall, we were cut off from that spiritual reality with God, but in Christ, we're restored. But you've got old, bad training that says what is, is all that is. And it's not true. Everything that you see was created by him who is unseen. He is spiritual. He is eternal. He's not temporary. He's not going to be done away with. He is permanent. Everybody say permanent. And if you would ever get on board with the fact that he is the only reality that really matters, you'd start walking in things that you can't see. You would start believing for things that you've not believed for before. And every time you receive a healing, somebody believed that way. Somebody did. <clears throat> and there's times where there, I was fellowshipping with the Lord and I came, this is another story, okay? I'm telling you this to build my faith. I could tell you far more, but they're growing less and less of times where I didn't say anything. And so I just, I just believed what I saw, all right? I would not want you have to, <laughs> I don't need to talk about it. Yes, I do. <laughs> Obey me, okay. Um, <laughs> Some of you were here when, when we had Joshua. Joshua was a 54-hour uh, ordeal in, in getting born. 
um, did not have faith at that point. Somebody else had the faith for me, I think. I don't know. There were so many people praying for me. I was a basket case, all right? And that's all I'm going to say about that. <laughs> and I wasn't even giving birth, you know, but, but uh, I was a basket case. And I did, I show, it showed me, it showed me what was on the inside. And every once in a while, it's not a bad thing to have something show you what's on the inside. I think it's good for you. Let you know what's really there. Let you know where you're really walking. Oh, okay. Did not have the trust that I needed at that point. Got some growing to do. Amen. It can be a humbling thing, but I'd rather know the problem and deal with it than to think I'm everything and not be able to deal with it, right? Deceive yourself when you're nothing is what Paul said in one place. I'd rather know about it. But I can remember there was a time where I was fellowshipping with the Lord and praying and I probably listened to a good faith message and I came home and I don't even remember, I think Natalie was dealing with a headache that day and it was something really inconsequential, like it wasn't a big deal. But I remember it because I remember the feeling I had on the inside and in some ways I've been chasing that feeling ever since because when I came home, and she says, you know, I'm dealing with this pain, and it was something up here. And, and I don't, I've never had this reaction before. I don't know how to describe it. It's not good. I've stood there, and it was like, and maybe it's what you'd call the gift of faith, okay? Because, you know, the gifts of the Spirit, gift, gift of healing, gift of miracles, interpretation of tongues, all of the gifts listed in 1 Corinthians, okay? One of them is the gift of faith. Well, in other places it talks about have faith. Why do you need the gift of faith? What's the difference? There is a difference. Anyway, there is a difference. The gift of faith. And, and as far as I can tell, it was like the gift of faith dropped on me. And I stood there with full assurance that everything I was about to say was going to happen. I've never had that feeling since. Now, that is not... Uh, I, I, I'm pressing toward the mark. Amen. See... And, and when I stood there, I just said, this is going. And I, it's not just arrogance or confidence. It was like I saw it done already. And it left just like that. Just like that. And I know Jesus did that all the time. He lived in that place. That was, what was so amazing about him was he was human. You could come up and touch him. He sweat. He got tired. He was hungry. But he'd walk around with a reality in his heart that everything was possible. And when he'd approach a situation, you know, you got a blind man standing in front of you. What do you want me to do for you? <laughs> like, you don't know? <laughs> I can, what is it? I, I mean, it could be anything. All things are possible with God. Oh, you want your eyes? Okay, we'll heal your eye. <laughs> you know what I mean? He walked around with that on the inside. Everybody, all right, let's go to Romans chapter four, all right? Didn't think I was gonna get there, did you? Romans chapter four. I like to read the context. You can read the context after the message if you want, but I want to talk about Abraham here. Many of you have heard these verses before, but we're going somewhere new today. Okay. Verse 17, it says, As it is written, I have made thee, Abraham, a father of many nations. 
Okay. Before him who he believed, even God, who quickeneth the dead, and calleth those things which be not as though they were. If you're ever going to walk with God in faith, you're going to have to call things that be not as though they are. What I love about Peter is when he stood there in front of that guy, he had no evidence or out. He couldn't step back and say, oh, I guess God didn't want to do it. He says, I have this. You're going to stand up and walk right now in Jesus' name. He had to say it before he saw it. You see that? We're called to be like God. Who quickeneth the dead and calleth those things which be not as though they were. Who against hope believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations according to that which was spoken. So shall thy seed be. And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead. Now most of you know this, but I'm just going to relay it. You know, there was a time where Abraham had the power to have a son or a daughter right? And he tried. He tried to get God's will accomplished some other way other than Sarah, okay? But it got so to the place where there was nothing left to believe except if this is going to happen, it's got to be God's power. Because even at this point, when he was about 100 years old, he had no power had to have children. And God gave him a word. He says, you're going to be the father of many nations. Here's, can you imagine how crazy that this guy must have sounded to everybody else. I'm going to be the father of, a, of many nations. You've never had a child and you're a hundred. You're nuts. Well, God told me. Well, you're nuts. <laughs> well, God told me. See, the whole nation of Israel is testimony. Testimony that he believed God. Being, okay, being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead. When he was about a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb, he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. Now, he didn't start out that way, right? I don't think he was strong in faith when he tried to do it himself. But he had the word, didn't he? See, he knew what God had promised him, but he tried to do it himself. But his heart got to the place where it was fully persuaded. And being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able, also able to perform. And therefore, it was imputed to him for righteousness. God is wanting to take our hearts on that journey of impossible to possible. Because all things are possible with him. Go to... Let's go to Luke chapter 18. Yes, Luke 18. It says in Romans that he faint or he staggered not. In other words, there was a process because he'd had that word for some time, didn't he? But he had to walk it out in faith and believe that what God could, said he would do, he, he did. Noah had to do the same thing, right? There's a flood coming. When? <laughs> See, at some point, 
How many of you have ever had those thoughts? Where the, and this is how the enemy comes in and steals the word, steals the promise, steals the miracle, steals what the potential of God could do in your life. He'll come in and he'll weary you with circumstances, weary, weary you with poor reports about what is and isn't possible. Everybody say weary. <clears throat> but see, it says of Abraham, he didn't stagger. He didn't get tired. He held the course. He believed that even in his old age, God's going to do this. That's incredible to me. I mean, is that incredible to you? I'm amazed at that. Now look at this. This is a parable. Everybody say parable. Parable is a natural example to illustrate a spiritual truth. He tells this story to illustrate something to us about the way the kingdom of God works. All right? And he spake a parable unto them to this end. Look at, look at this. To this end that men ought always to pray and not to faint. Could we say stagger? Could, could, yeah. it's, it's, it's aborting the word of God from producing the fruit. That's the way the enemy steals it. Okay, that the men that men ought always to pray and not faint. This is what the parable is about. This is this is key to understanding the parable. This is what it's about. There was in a city a judge, which feared not God, neither regarded man. And there was a widow in that city, and she came unto him, saying, "Avenge me of mine adversary." And he would not for a while, but afterward he said within himself, Though I fear not God nor regard man, yet because this widow troubles me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. <laughs> and the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge said. Hear what that unjust judge said. And shall not God avenge his own elect, which cry day and night unto him, though he bear long with them, I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Everybody say speedily. <laughs> Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, look at this question he ends on. What's the parable about? Praying and not fainting. And this is how he ends the, Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith. Everybody say faith. Faith on the earth. This, this is a bookend. The bookend of the parable. See. Now, you can hear teaching on this, and, and one of the things that people believe about this passage is that the unjust judge is God. You've not read the rest of the book, I, I'm guessing. And um, if, now, if you believe that or if you thought that, I'm sorry. Okay, but, but it's just not, it's not consistent with the picture Jesus paints of God. Jesus, Jesus said that if you know how to, he says, if you're, if you're son or daughter, <laughs> those are my sons and daughters out there. <laughs> Praise God for the kids. I love the kids. <laughs> if, if your son or daughter comes and asks you for bread, are you going to give them a stone? You know? And even my kids, this is what Caitlin will do. You know, she'll come and she'll say, can I have a cookie? No. <laughs> Run away. Come back 30 seconds later. Can I have a cookie? No. <laughs> and <laughs> eventually, like, oh my goodness, please. Here, have a cookie, you know. No, that's not good parenting, all right? But <laughs> consistency with your children, amen. But anyway, 
<coughs> that was just a fun little side mark. But, but my point is, look at this. See, it says, you know, Jesus said of God, he says, if, you, if your children ask for bread, are you going to give them a stone? If they ask for fish, are you going to give them a serpent or a scorpion? God gives good things. Everybody said good things. And Jesus even says at the end of this parable, he says, God would avenge his children speedily. Speedily. Everybody say speedily. speedily. All right. We're in the home stretch here, all right? God would avenge you speedily. This, un this is an unjust judge, not a just judge. This is not God. If you hear somebody teaching that this is God and how you get things from him, no. All right? So it's not like, oh, God's got, you ever seen that, that commercial? I don't know if it's Geico. You go, oh, you almost got it. <laughs> They've got that dollar on a hook. He's reeling it in. He's like, oh, <laughs> you almost got it. That's how people think God is. I'm just going to keep praying and praying and I'm going to keep pestering God until I finally wear him down. He's going to give me what I want. You think that's God? That's not God. That's the unjust judge. That's not God your father. There's such a mentality with that that people will, let's, we're going to bombard heaven with our prayers. What you need to bombard him for? You're a child. <laughs> you don't need to bombard anybody. He's your father. He's on your side. <laughs> God doesn't respond to quantity of prayers. He responds to faith. It's not like having more prayers on your side is better. I'd rather have one guy that knows God praying for me than a bunch of people praying, if it be thy will. Amen. I don't want that. <clears throat> this parable, if you can grasp, who is this unjust judge? Because it's about faith in your heart and it's about receiving from God. Who's the unjust judge? If faith is something that you believe in your heart, where, who is the widow that, see, this is what happens in your soul. Everybody say your soul. You have a judge on the inside that determines what is reality and what is truth. What you believe and what you don't. What you faint at and what you stay strong in. And it's on the inside of you, given verdicts. I believe this. No, I believe this. No, I believe this. This unjust judge is not God. It's what's on the inside. It's your soul. It's the mind and the will and the emotions that doesn't fear God and it's not afraid of man. It needs transformation. Everybody say transformation. See, because this, this is parable is about faith and receiving from God and not fainting. If it's about not fainting, it's things on the inside. And this unjust judge, this is a guy, see what the picture of it here is. You have this soul on the inside that determines what is truth. And every time I'd walk down that Goodwill or that mall, I was presenting evidence to the judge of my soul saying, my God's word is truth, this pain is not. I'd say, you're going to hear me. You're going to hear me. You're going to hear me. The word of God is truth. The word of God is truth. You're going to hear me, soul. The word of God is truth. God doesn't need to know that. Your soul does. Eventually, my soul rendered a verdict. Okay, I'm tired of hearing this. You win. Everybody see that? I am. Your job is to transform and train the soul to, be, to believe the word of God is truth. Amen? And there was a widow in that city that could avenge me of my adversary. And he would not for a while, but afterward he said within himself, 
Though I fear not God nor regard man, yet because this window troubles me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. Hear what the unjust judge saith, and shall not God avenge his own elect, which cry day and night unto them, though he bear long with them? I tell you that he will avenge them speedily, but here's the question. It's not about what God will do. It's about whether there's faith in the heart. I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, the Son of Man cometh, and will he find faith? Everybody say faith. See, when you can look at every single miracle that has been received. Look at Peter when he was walking on that water, and you can see his soul trying to render a verdict. What's real? What's real? What's real in my life? Is God's word real or is what I'm seeing real? And he started to walk it out like, I'm going to believe my, I'm going to believe the Lord. Then he rendered a verdict on what he saw. He says, I'm, this is real. Everybody with me? Let's see. <clears throat> Every time you spend time in his presence, you spend time worshiping him. I think it's Ephesians that says, don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. Singing to yourself songs and hymns and spiritual songs. We're called to change the reality of how we see things. That's that's so perfect to what God told me even years ago before I, I really understood some of these things. He says, the reality, the reality that I've healed you and your heart is not believed like the reality of your pain. And your soul is waiting to hear your evidence of why God's word is true. I think there's going to be times of testimony where we're going to have people come up here and share what God is doing because your soul needs evidence. Your soul needs to hear these things. Imagine what happens to the souls of people that follow Jesus when they would see these things. And why the disciples were able to walk into it so quickly. Because they saw the impossible done all the time. Their soul had evidence. Amen? He's wanting to bring that evidence into your heart. Spend time in his word. Spend time in his presence. Spend time in worship. Spend time doing the things he's asked you to do and let him prove himself to you. He won't ask you to risk everything at once, but he'll ask you to step out on something. And let him prove, let him grow, let that trust build up on the inside of you until you start to believe what he says is what's possible, not what I see. And you're going to start rendering verdicts to your spirit every time you, God gives you a word that says, God's word is true and I'm not going to take no for an answer. Your soul will be transformed. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, I'm excited for this week. Amen. All right, Father, we're so grateful that your word is true. We choose to believe it. We choose to trust it. We're going to walk victorious lives, not by might, not by our power, but by the Spirit. I thank you that you are changing our souls, that you're transforming our minds, our will, our emotions, to see the reality that you already are, you're already there, you live there. Help us to live there with you. Thank you for bringing our hearts to the place that all things, let's say that together before we go, all things are possible with me when I believe God. What has been is not what will be. I'm going to talk the ear off my soul 
until it renders a verdict. God's word is truth. In Jesus' name. Amen.